he does his uh, his wife Louise is here, and um, I believe <laughs> Dr. Youssef is her favorite pastor, if I'm not mistaken. It's her pastor. Okay. And uh, the person I recommend, listen, I do a tweet, okay. six, 60 seconds every day. No, wait. Okay, I'm waiting. I spent the whole tweet today on Michael Youssef and leading the way. He's... Um, the only man I know that I can categorically recommend, and there's nobody else like him. And by the way, he's proud of you. Wow. A wise, long- a wise son. <laughs> a wise but son. you wouldn't recommend me yet, right? Is that the, that's what I take away is that. Well, a wise and- son makes a glad father. Amen. And he's proud of you. We Thank all you. are. And your son T.R. is here and yeah, some grandsons, and you've got, you've got some books that are, will be out in the stalls? Yep. Okay. Well, your dad lets me bring these books. Yes. He's a, he's a very kind man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this, here, here we are, and uh, I'll leave those for you. Okay. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Louise and I have been married uh, 65 years, and last... And last week was my 88th birthday. And I still do everything I did 20 years ago. God has been good to me. And one of the nicest things ever to happen to me is the friendship of Michael and Elizabeth. And it's wonderful to be back. He does kind of let me bring books. There's a book called Fear, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly, the Good Fear, Fear of God, the Bad Fear, Fear of Man, the Ugly, Demonic. Uh, I've written a book on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, my book, Prophetic Integrity. I can't remember if I had it this time last year, where I deal with all these prophets who said God told them who would be the president, and they get it wrong, and they won't admit that. And I, I deal with how these people should admit when they make a mistake. And then my latest book, it's just out this week, It's called Receiving the Isaac Promise. Now, to some, this will be controversial, uh, but the idea is this. This You can just think about it. I've preached this for 50 years, that in my opinion, the charismatic movement is Ishmael. As Abraham was told that he would have a son, and it wasn't happening, and His wife, Sarah, said, sleep with Hagar. Ishmael was born. And Abraham assumed for 13 years that Ishmael was the promised child. And I think there are many sincere people that love the Lord. In the charismatic movement, they think we're the final word. I don't believe that. I think Abraham had to wait. And one day God said, Isaac is coming. I think the real thing is coming down the road, and that's what this book is about, uh, called The Isaac Promise. Well, it's wonderful to be back here. (laughs) I should have let you take these, Jonathan. I'm sorry. Thank you. One fell on the floor. First mistake I've ever made. Yeah. Okay. I want to read to you from James chapter 1. I don't think I need this, do I? 
out of the way. James chapter 1, verse 5. I would... Oh, I do need... Oh. Okay. All right. Thought I didn't... Thought... Well, it's <laughs> double assurance. <laughs> My sermon I would call Getting God's Opinion. In my text, James chapter 1, verse 5. So, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. May God be pleased to bless the reading and the preaching of this, his most holy and infallible word. Brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask for the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus by your Spirit to rest upon every person here in order that their perception of what I say will be received as you intend. Cleanse my tongue that I will be your transparent instrument to say everything that needs to be said Nothing that doesn't need to be said. Help me to be very, very clear, very, very simple. And I ask that this will be a life-changing word. And a word that brings great honor and glory to your name. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Getting God's opinion. The word opinion means point of view, perspective. And God has an opinion about everything. Maybe it hadn't crossed your mind, but God has an opinion on anything. And the question is, do we want his opinion? We're afraid sometimes to ask what he has in mind. His opinion may put us on the spot and think, oh dear, I'm not sure I'm happy about that. But what I want to get over to you today, as best as I can, is that the smartest thing you can ever do is to get his opinion and follow it. You will never be sorry. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 5, arguably, is the first reference to prayer in the unfolding of the Christian faith. Let me explain what I mean by that. We know that the New Testament begins Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Matthew was probably written uh, in 50 or 60 A.D. James, probably around 40 A.D. It's thought to be the first book that was written. And if that is true, the first thing James said, we have the first reference to prayer. He says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God. In other words, the first thing he says is to pray for wisdom and God will give it to you. Now, we know from 1 John 5:14 that answered prayer has everything to do with God's will. In other words, if you want your prayer to be answered, you've got to pray in God's will. You may not like that. But that's what John said, 1 John 5:14, if any man ask according to his will, he hears us. And so if you ask in his will, uh, your prayer will be answered. But the question is, how do you know that you're praying in God's will? 
Well, the best I can figure out, there are three ways for sure to know that you're praying God's will. The first, if you pray the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Uh, it's a prayer to be prayed. Uh, for what it's worth, Louise and I pray the Lord's Prayer every day, out loud, together. We've done it for years and years and years. So when you pray the Lord's Prayer, it covers everything. It covers the water from, there's nothing left. If you understand the Lord's Prayer, Another way to know you're praying in God's will is if, according to Paul, Romans 8, 26 and 27, if you pray in the Spirit. Now, there's more than one view of what that is, but if you figure it out, if you pray in the Spirit, uh, Paul talks about groanings that cannot be uttered. Uh, you may not know exactly how to pray. That's the way Paul put it. But if you pray in the Spirit, at least you know one thing, you're praying in the will of God. You think, I don't know what I'm saying or what I'm thinking for sure, but Lord, take it, because if it's your will, that's what I want. But then there's a third way to know, and that is if you ask for wisdom. Whenever you ask for wisdom, you're praying in God's will, because he likes it when you want his opinion. Now, I think of wisdom uh, the most spectacular example of wisdom, probably in the Bible, is in 1 Kings chapter 4, uh, or chapter 3, and I want to read the account to you. It's when Solomon was put on the spot, and two women came to him and wanted his opinion, and um, I can read it better than I can tell it. So let me read to you from 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. Two women who were prostitutes came to King Solomon and stood before him. One woman said, Please, Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I had a baby while she was in the house. On the third day after I gave birth, she also had a baby. And we were alone. No one else was with us in the house. Just the two of us were there. During the night, this woman's son died because she lay on him. She got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She laid him in her arms and she put her dead son in my arms when I got up in the morning to nurse my son, I discovered he was dead. That morning, when I looked closely at him, I realized that he was not the son I gave birth to. No, the other woman said, my son is the living one. Your son is the dead one. The first woman said, no, your son is the dead one. My son is the living one. So they argued before the king. The king replied, this woman says, this is my son who is alive and your son is dead. But the other woman says, no, your son is dead and my son is alive. The king continued, bring me a sword. 
So they brought the sword to the king. And the king said, cut the living boy in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive spoke to the king because she felt great compassion for her own son. Oh, my Lord, give her the living baby. She said, please don't have any, don't have this little baby killed. But the other one said, he will not be mine nor yours. Cut him in two. The king responded, give the living baby to the first woman and don't kill him. She is the mother. All Israel heard about the judgment the king had given, and they stood in awe of the king because they saw that God's wisdom was in him to carry out justice. Wisdom. It is a gift of God, wisdom. It is a secret that he alone knows and yet wisdom is something he is willing to give to us. It's the most wonderful thing to be on offer. Now, there's a, a little prehistory here because God came to Solomon some time before and said, uh, what would you like for me to do for you? Just name anything you like. What would you like? Well, Solomon said, uh, I need wisdom. I'm not able to judge these people. Please help me. Give me your wisdom. And God was pleased with that request. And then went on to say, you know, you could have asked for a long life. I would have given you that. You could have asked for riches. I would have given you that. You could have asked for judgment on your enemy. I, could, I would have given you that. But you asked for wisdom. And I'm so pleased with that request that I'm going to give you what you asked for and even things that you didn't ask for. That's the way God is. My dad's favorite verse, I grew up hearing this, seemed like almost every day. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's just the polar opposite of what so much teaching today on uh, television, you know, ask God for things so he's going to make you rich, and encouraging you just to uh, give, give, give to their ministry and you'll be driving a Mercedes in six weeks and things like that. It's so rotten what is being happening. Why don't they teach, seek first the kingdom of God and then you have all that you need. And this is what Solomon was doing. It reminds me many years ago, I was uh, on a plane from New York to Miami and uh, my reading that day uh, was from Exodus chapter 33. I uh, follow a Bible reading plan. Martin Lloyd-Jones gave it to me over 40 years ago. It's the Robert Murray McShane uh, reading plan. And that day, my reading was in Exodus chapter 33. When I came to verse 13, a verse that I'd read probably a thousand times, the wonderful thing about the Bible, you can read it and read it and see something new every time. Well, I saw something I hadn't noticed. God said to Moses, Moses, I am pleased with you. What would you like for me to do for you? It was almost like with Solomon. And Moses replied, well, Lord, if you are pleased with me, 
then would you, and then he asked for something. If you didn't know what that verse said, what would you suppose Moses asked for? Would you be surprised? When I read that, I felt so convicted. I had to say to myself, you know, if God came to me and said, what would you like? I don't think that's what I would have asked for. I have ever since. But here's what Moses said. If you really are pleased with me, show me your ways. That's what Moses wanted to know. If you want to know why God could use Moses and he was the greatest leader of men in the history of mankind, there it is. He just wanted to know God's ways. It is said in Hebrews 3 verse 10, God lamenting of ancient Israel, they have not known my ways. You see, we all have ways. I have ways. My wife Louise knows my ways. How do you get to know anybody's ways? It's only by spending time with them. You get to know their ways. I might ask you, how much time do you give to God? Children spell love, T-I-M-E. What if that's the way God spells love? How much time? Listen to this word from Martin Luther's journal. He said, I have a very busy day today. Must not spend two hours, but three in prayer. Martin Luther, John Wesley would not go out into his day without two hours on his knees. Question, I don't mean to be unfair, but how much do you pray? When I first went to Westminster Chapel in London, I urged every member to pray 30 minutes a day. You would have thought the chandeliers would fall. 30 minutes a day, one deacon said, I don't know what to say after five minutes. Told me more about him than I wanted to know. But you can have a prayer list. And God likes your company. When you get to know his ways... I once asked a friend of mine, if God came to you and you could ask for anything and get it, what would you ask for? He said that my eldest daughter would get right with God. That's good. That's good. I remember being in a restaurant and I said to the waitress, we're getting ready to pray for the blessing on the food. How can I pray for you? What would you like God to do for you? She said to win the lottery. (laughs) I understood that. She was being honest. Moses, let me know your ways. Solomon, your wisdom. And the ancient Greeks, the Hellenistic Greeks thought that Sophia, wisdom, uh, was out, out of order for anybody like you and me. In other words, that's the Greek word James uses. If any man asks... Lack Sophia. And the Hellenistic Greeks thought only the gods could have Sophia. Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, ordinary people, Sophia? Oh no. But then James said, oh yes. In fact, Proverbs says that the 
beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And if you want God's wisdom, it is on offer to you. Well, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 2, there's this word where God said, Without seeking my advice, they went down to Egypt, and then everything went wrong. Do you ask for God's advice on everything? You should. Proverbs 3, verse 5, lean not to your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. You see, God has an opinion. And if you're wise, you will not want to do anything without getting his opinion. And it is on offer. Well, I would define wisdom not only as getting God's opinion, I would define it as the presence of the mind of the Holy Spirit. Now, you've heard the expression presence of mind. Uh, a non-Christian can get that. <laughs> Unusual strength in a moment. Unusual no knowledge of what to do. It, it can happen. But only a Christian can have the presence of the mind of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead, has a mind, a will. And if you can get the mind of the Spirit, well, you're not going to mess up. I would define it as 2020 foresight vision. We all have 2020 hindsight vision. Uh, when we think, oh, if only I had did, if I had done this, if I did this yesterday, oh, I could, if I could start all over yesterday. We all have 2020 hindsight vision. But the mind of the Spirit will give you 2020 foresight vision so that you will say the right thing at the right time and you will not regret what you do. Well, there is this, though, I think, a requirement. If you're going to get the mind of the Spirit, and that is to get to know the Holy Spirit ungrieved. You Bible students will know that Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, where Paul says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Now, the word grieve comes from a Greek word that means get your feelings hurt. You think, the Holy Spirit can get his feelings hurt? Surely not. <laughs> According to James... Uh, the Holy Spirit can get his feelings hurt. And what happens is that when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you don't lose your salvation. After all, Paul says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Nothing can be clearer than that. But what happens is you lose the presence of the mind of the Spirit. That he's got an opinion. And in order to know the Holy Spirit's opinion... It means that you don't grieve him. I remember preaching some years ago in Florence, Alabama. And for some reason, just as we walked into the pulpit, the pastor stopped. He said, what's a veteran like you got to say to a young whippersnapper like me? And I thought, I'll tell you. 
find out what grieves the Holy Spirit and don't do that. And then you've got your work cut out for you. Because it's so easy to grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit has a mind. He wants you to know it. But when we grieve him, you say, well, how do we grieve him? Paul tells you, as soon as he said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption, he says, let all bitterness and anger be put away from you. Uh, I don't mean to be unfair, but is there anybody here today, you're bitter right now. You're angry. I'm sorry, but the Holy Spirit's mind will not be revealed. Well, let me put it this way. In John chapter 1, Gospel of John, verse 31 and verse 32, John the Baptist said, I knew who was the Son of Man. I knew that the Messiah had come because it was told me when you see the dove comes down on that man and remains, he's the one. Now, I'm sure all of you know about the Holy Spirit being symbolized by a dove. At the natural level, a dove is a very, well, very soft bird. That is to say, he's gentle. Uh, did you know that doves and pigeons are in the same family? You can train a pigeon, but you cannot train a dove. Pigeons are boisterous. Doves are gentle. And there are those who don't know the difference between a pigeon and a dove because anatomically they're the same. You cut a, a dove or a pigeon open, and they're the same. A dove is just a, a smaller pigeon. A pigeon is a fat dove. But they are different. And in the same way that there are those of us who don't know the difference between a pigeon and a dove, there are those who don't know the difference between the authentic Holy Spirit and the counterfeit. I hear people say, well, you should have been in our service Sunday. The Holy Ghost came down. You get to the bottom of it, it was probably pigeon religion. Just because people are excited and stirred. To know the authentic Holy Spirit is a rare thing. It's most precious. And John the Baptist said the dove came down on Jesus and remained. That's interesting. We know about the dove. Did you notice the word remain? In other words, he just stayed there. I think <laughs> when the Holy Spirit came down on Jesus, the Holy Spirit said, I like it here. I think I'll stay. Because Jesus never, ever grieved the Holy Spirit you know what it's like for the dove to come down? I'm sure many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. The sense of God, the peace, the joy. It, in my case, it doesn't happen every day, but there are times when he just comes down. It's so wonderful. You think, Lord, don't leave. Don't leave. Please stay. But life goes on. Later in the day, you think, what happened? Well, maybe it was when you were driving down the I-75 and the car in front of you was going so slow and you rolled down the window. What's the matter with you? And the dove just kind of flies away. 
You're in Kroger's or Publix or supermarket, and you're in a hurry, and you're at the cash register. You really need to pay and get going. But right in front of this little old lady is counting her change, and you go, oh. And you wanted her to hear you? She did. But so did the dove. It just flies away. The thing is, the Holy Spirit will never bend the rules for any of us. And when I'm angry, when I am holding a grudge, when I cannot forgive totally, when I can't do that, the Holy Spirit in me will, be un, will not be ungrieved. He'll be grieved. And you don't get his opinion. But when the Holy Spirit comes down and we deal with our bitterness, with our anger, and then we get to know God's ways. You see, we may not like his ways, but God wants you to know his ways. And James is saying, if any man lack wisdom, ask of God. You will get his opinion. So that when the Holy Spirit is ungrieved, he reveals his opinion. But I've got to say to you, there is a cost to wisdom. Yep, it costs. In fact, Proverbs chapter 4, where Solomon urges you to get this wisdom and says, no matter what it costs, get it. How might it cost you? You say, well, I'm ready to pay. I'll go to the bank, and how much do I pay for this wisdom? No, it's not like that. How might it cost you? Well, your friends may distance themselves from you. You may have to turn down a coveted invitation. You may have to abandon a certain relationship. You may have to appear stupid in another person's eyes. And have you ever noticed that Proverbs has a lot to say about adultery? Did you know that there's so much in Proverbs about sexual purity and wisdom? I have to tell you that sexual promiscuity and wisdom don't, don't go together. I heard of a pastor just a couple days ago, prominent pastor, having to resign in disgrace. You say, how could he do that? How could he be so stupid? He lacked wisdom. You see, this wisdom means you live where you don't live a life of bitterness. And by the way, if you're in an affair right now, I must tell you, break it off. Stop it. There's a cost. Well, I can tell you, Proverbs has much to say about this. And this wisdom is more precious than gold. This wisdom, God wants to give it to you. You will never be sorry. And it is on offer. You don't have to be a Plato or Aristotle. And this wisdom has nothing to do with your IQ. 
or your education. It's what God gives. And people will be astounded how God will use you. You come up with ideas and thoughts you never thought could happen. And as Solomon shocked everybody, but he had asked for God for, for wisdom. That's who has the wisdom. He's got the answer. He's got an opinion. Get it. No matter what it costs. And I can tell you, this is a word that will always be relevant. And I close. I think the wisest question I can put to you is to ask you this question. Do you know for sure that if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Do you? If you were to stand before God, you will. And he were to ask you, he might. Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Suppose this were the real thing. And you're standing before God. And he does say, why should I let you in? And by the way, there'll be nobody to whisper the answer to you. The answer is that God wants you to come up with it. And by this time, you already should have come up with the answer. In fact, let me put it this way. When I put the question, what would you say to God if he said to you, why should I let you in? If it didn't enter your mind already, because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes for anything in the world. But before I leave, I can help you. We can sort that out. I can give you a prayer to pray if you're willing. It's a prayer you can pray without raising your voice. You don't need to say it out loud, but God will see your heart. If you can say this and mean it, just pray these words. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. I know I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sins. Wash my sins away by your blood. I welcome your Holy Spirit into my heart. As best as I know how I give you my life. That's it. Did you pray that prayer? I don't know. Maybe somebody did in this room. Are you ashamed that you prayed that prayer? Why do you ask? Well, Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my father. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to confess him. I'm not going to ask you to make a speech, but there's a way of sending a signal to everyone else in this room. You prayed that prayer and you're not ashamed of it. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you in the next 15 seconds to stand up. You say, in front of all these people? Yep, yep. Oh, they'll know I've prayed. Yep, that's the idea. You're not ashamed. Five, four, three, two, one. If you prayed that prayer, they're already standing. Anyone else? Others. Just stand. Okay, remain standing. Let me just say this. There's another. It's possible that 
Some of you that are standing were saved before today. That's possible. But you heard the gospel and you affirmed it and you did the right thing. But if you've never confessed him before like this and prayed a prayer like that, you know what just happened to you? You were just born again. Happy birthday. You can be seated. Goodbye. Let's go.